0: Funny how uh, things change. In, um, in the old days, when I was to start with, when I was um, school teaching, say if you'd see Johnny outside the principal's office, and you say, Johnny, what what'd you do? He said, I um, punched Jimmy on the arm. And these days, if you'd see Johnny outside the principal's office for the same reason, um, say, Johnny, what'd you do? He said, He'd say, um, "I made a bad choice." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to be talking a lot about choices today, and um, we have a lot of choices. But some things in life we don't actually have a choice: uh, our eye color, hair color. Um, one of the things they say is you can you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your relatives. And that that is true. And for us, uh, we actually didn't choose Adam. You know, Adam is our ancestor, all of us. We didn't choose him, but he's our ancestor. And Adam chose sin. And that's unfortunate for us because we're all his uh, children, his descendants. And so that's how sin, the Bible says, came into the world through our descendant. Adam. So we're going to read some scripture, and Sheree's going to read that for us. And as she reads that, we're going to think about this kind of uh, one thing we didn't choose, and three things we can choose. So thank you, Sheree.
1: 1 Corinthians 15, 21 to 34. Sorry, I was yelling at God, (coughs) yelling praise. (coughs) For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptised for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptised for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than a human hope, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame.
0: So, uh, Adam made a bad choice, and that's impacted on all of us. However, there are some choices we can make. Verse 22 says, in Christ, in Christ, all will be made alive. Not every person will be made alive, but all those who are in Christ will be made alive. So we have this choice to make. Will we be in Christ or not? That's a choice. Will we be in Christ or not? In the book of Timothy, it says similar thing. 1 Timothy 4 verse 10. He is the Savior of all men and especially of those who believe. So, Jesus is available for all of mankind, but he becomes the savior of those that choose him. Now, that all has tripped up some people at times. There is a view that, that every person will ultimately be accepted by God irrespective of that person's attitude to God during their earthly life. There is that view out there. Uh, The name of that is called Universalism. And Universalism has a long history. uh, Oregon was a theologian of the third century, so 1,700 years ago, in Egypt. And uh, he was one of the first known advocates of Universalism, that it all ends up good in the end for everyone. But how does the Bible see the all? As Amanda said the other day, one of the most important tools of Bible interpretation is use Scripture to interpret Scripture. So what does the Bible say? If we go back to the second book of Samuel, for instance, there's a a bad time in Israel's history when uh, one of David's sons is rebelling against him. And, and uh, David can see it coming, and he rush, rushes out out of Jerusalem, out into the country to escape his son Absalom. Absalom uh, marches in with his followers. And what he does, he goes into the palace, and just to, to rub salt into the wound, he goes up to his father's roof. His father's concubines uh, stayed in the palace to look after the palace. And so what Absalom does, he gets, uh, he gets a tent pitched up on his roof and he calls in, the gets them to bring the compu, uh, concubines and it says uh, he s- sleeps with his father's concubines in front of all of Israel. In the sight of all Israel, 2 Samuel 16 verse 22. Now, what does he all mean? It doesn't mean that all of the inhabitants of Israel watched, but the misdeeds of Absalom were available for all to see. It was was available for all to see if they wanted. And that is the meaning of the all here in Corinthians. That all who chose Christ, all who availed themselves of that opportunity, to be made alive, it's available for all, but it is a choice. It is a choice, to be in Christ or to not be in Christ. Now, what about those for whom it hasn't been made available, who haven't heard the good news of Jesus? And there are those. We'd meet them all the time in Africa. You know, been Muslim for generations. Well, there's a couple of things that help what Jesus said. Uh, number one, Scripture suggests that we will be judged on the revelation that is being made available to us. So, for instance, Luke 12:48 says, uh, Those that have had a lot of revelation available to them, much is expected. And those that haven't had, uh, less is expected. So there is that suggestion in Scripture. Secondly, Jesus said, make the gospel available. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Matthew 28, 19. Make it available. If it's not available to them, make it available. Preach the gospel. And there's a reason that I've labored this thing about universalism a bit. Because actually... There's a new push of universalism at the moment. It's coming at us again. You know, there's, there's, there's fashions that go round and round. Our kids are saying, oh, last year I think, Dad, there's a new haircut. It's, it's a mullet. Like, what? <laughs> it's not new. <laughs> universalism is not new, but it's back in fashion. So just, it's out there. And universalists, universalists say that you don't need to choose. But the clear thrust of Scripture is we do need to choose. We do need to choose. So there is a choice to be made. You need to choose. We need to choose to be a part of the all in Christ or not. You can, be, you can choose to be a friend of Jesus or to be a friend with everyone, but you can't choose both. Choosing to be a friend of Jesus is not always the most pleasant, comfortable path. Because of verse 32, because of my belief in the resurrection, I fought wild beasts in Ephesus. And those wild beasts, probably what they're is referring to is that heavy, heavy opposition that Paul was getting in Ephesus. There are people that were uh, highly opposed to him in Ephesus. So he's saying, I didn't hold, um, if I didn't hold to the fundamentals of the faith, e.g. resurrection, it would have been a way cruisier life for me. But because I've held to the fundamentals of the faith, there's been people in Ephesus that have been after me. And that tends to be the case. That's what happens. Jesus said this, if they, if they hate you, keep in mind that they hated me first. John chapter 15. Not everyone loved Jesus. Some hated him, and some still do. And so we need to choose. Christ means Messiah, basically rescuer. If you are not in with the rescuer, are you rescued? If you're not in with with the rescuer, are you rescued? So, that's our first choice. You can choose to be in Christ, or to be in with everyone, but not both. Number two, you can choose who you listen to, but you can't listen to everyone. As we've traveled through the book of Corinthians, we've seen it again and again. This was a gigantic Problem in the early church of Corinth. Influential people in the church were leading others astray. Uh, Most famous, perhaps, is in chapters 5 and 6, where Gnostics, those of knowledge, supposed knowledge, were saying there is, it's kind of like a division between spirit and flesh. And the spirit matters, but not the flesh. And therefore, they were saying this they're saying, What I do with my body is not important. Because uh, that's wrong. That's wrong. The spirit and the body are intertwined. In fact, the body, whether it's the corporate body, chapter three, the church, or our individual singular bodies, chapter six, they both house the Holy Spirit. So, what we do with uh, our bodies, individual or corporate, it actually does matter, because the body houses. The Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit lives. In us and in us, if you know what I mean. Singular and plural. Your bodies are actually the temples of the Holy Spirit. So back to our passage, chapter 15. Paul says, don't listen to those who deny the resurrection. You need to choose who you listen to. Choose who you listen to. And Paul argues this on three grounds. Number one, number one, baptism of the dead. Number two, the fact that his and his companions were willing to face danger daily. Number three, opposition and persecution. Now, two and three are pretty straightforward. And number one, baptism of the dead is anything but straightforward. In fact, uh, some people believe this is the most trickiest verse in the entire Bible. So, (laughs) in fact, there's uh, up to 40 different interpretations of what it could mean. Uh, We're not going to go through them all today, but one that makes a lot of sense to me is this, is back then, at that time, in the church at Corinth, some were doing a a baptizing ceremony for dead people. They were doing it back then. Last weekend I went to my brother's graduation in Auckland and there were some there that uh, were graduated in their absence, in absentia. And they weren't there but their names were read out and they still, uh, it was as if they were there and so they graduated in their absence. In Corinth it seems this is what they were doing, that they were baptising the names of dead people because they they believe so much in the resurrection, they thought, wow, let's put our dead relatives into the mix here. And um, uh, Mormons still do this, and some other cults. Now, uh, there's no mention for many, many centuries of Orthodox uh, churches doing it. It's not backed up by Scripture, so Paul is not advocating it. He's just saying... uh, These people are doing this. The reason they're doing this, not that I agree with it, is that they highly believe in resurrection. And so you can choose to be in Christ or be in with everyone, but not both. You can choose who you listen to, but you can't listen to everyone. You can't listen to everyone. And if you do listen to everyone, it will harm you. Verse 33, do not be misled. Do not be misled. The original word for misled is uh, planaste, where we get our word planet. In other words, wandering stars. So it's saying there, verse 33, don't get tempted to wander. And it follows bad company, and the original word is uh, homiliae where we get our word homily, English word homily, which means to speak or preach. So that probably means, most accurately, bad conversations corrupt good character. Bad conversations corrupt good character. And so this is about heresy. Heresy. And mention of heresy can get quite an emotional response. I found these thoughts. um, I read this. Uh, helpful on heresy, so I'll read it. A basic definition of heresy is adherence to a religious opinion contrary to orthodox belief. So uh, a second definition is dissent or deviation from the dominant theory, opinion, or practice. That's a good starting point for us. These definitions identify two key elements of heresy, a dominant position and a contrary position. With regards to religion, any belief or practice that goes against the official position to the church is considered heretical. Of course, not every disagreement in the church is heresy. Having a different opinion is not wrong. But when the opinion is uh, divisive or maintained in defiance of clear biblical teaching, it becomes heretical. Uh, The apostles themselves disagreed at times. Acts 15, Peter Once had to, um, and um, Peter once had to be rebuked for divisive and legalistic behavior. That's in Galatians two. But praise the Lord through an attitude of humility and submission to the God of truth. The apostles worked through their disagreements and set an example for us. So the problem of heresy is not only that it is different, but that it is destructive and divisive. There's a story of the Apostle John, the beloved disciple who wrote the Gospel of John. And the story goes like this. It's passed through a couple of bishops. And Irenaeus, the bishop, um, says this story, that John, one time, went into a bathhouse in Ephesus, and through the steam of the bathhouse, he spied a well-known heretic called Serinthus. And John immediately rushed out of the bathhouse saying, Let us flee, lest the bathhouse fall down, for Serinthus, the enemy of the truth, is within. <laughs> Let us flee, lest the bathhouse fall down, for Serinthus, the, for the enemy of truth, is within. And so John didn't try to engage the heretic, Sorinthus, didn't try to get into a conversation to convince him. He just got out of there because he knew this. He knew that bad conversation can corrupt good people. Can I suggest that just as dangerous as hanging out with meth smokers is, is like downloading dodgy teaching or get, uh, that deny the central truth of the faith. I've seen it. Have you? Where good people, solid in the in the central truths of the faith, have sort of imbibed, have got dodgy teaching, and it's actually ended up wrecking them. tupato. Be careful. Be careful what your ears take in. Bad conversation can corrupt good people. Verse thirty-two. Do not be misled. Bad company, conversation corrupts good people. Kae whakapo hehe teakoto. He he is a great word. I love this word. Pu is a Maori word and it means to mistakenly think. Mistakenly think. Kae whakapo Tia teakoto. Lest we mistakenly think. You might need to say occasionally, I'm not going to hang around that thinking. I know that thinking has the potential to put me down a path that actually I don't want to go. And, it's, and it has the potential to be really dangerous for me. Paul said this, he said to the young pastor, Timothy, watch your life and doctrine carefully. Watch your life and doctrine carefully. Not just your life, but your doctrine, what you think, your your philosophy, your theology. Uh, sometimes we are attracted to believing the wrong stuff because it's palatable to our neighbours. The wrong stuff is really palatable to our neighbours. They like the taste of it. A third century example of this was the heretic Arius. Arius started teaching that Jesus was Created by God and not actually God. That Jesus was created by God. And Arius started teaching that it was an almighty God and then lesser gods. And that fitted in really well with his neighbors. His neighbors were pagans. And the interesting thing about Arius is that he was great at public relations, he would make up poems and songs. And it was said around Alexandria in Egypt where he was preaching this that his songs and his poems got caught on by those that worked in the docks and the street sellers and the young children and they would whistle and sing his heresy around town and it caught on. And if Arius was in the 21st century he would have a blog and podcasts and tweets and a TED talk. But <laughs> Unfortunately, what Arius was teaching was not the truth. And the full truth is that Jesus is exactly God, and that Jesus always existed. And Jesus is the exact representation of the unseen God. He is the exact representation of the unseen God. And Jesus was both fully human and fully God. And even if someone is an incredible communicator, and that doesn't make their teaching right if they're not saying that. just makes them a really good communicator. So we need to choose who we listen to. We need to choose either to be in Christ or to be in with everyone. We need to choose who we listen to, and thirdly, we need to choose to focus on either earthly life or focus on eternal life. This is verse thirty-two. Now eternal life is different from the afterlife, by the way. Verse thirty-one says, Eating, drinking, dying. That's earthly life, eh? Hey? Eating, drinking, dying. Uh, Let's eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. This was a popular saying of the day in the first century. It came out of a poet. Verse 22, all in Christ will be made alive. All in Christ will be made alive. That's what Christ said. And John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who feeds on me will never go hungry or thirsty. When did Jesus say this? In John's gospel, same as uh, when he fed the 5,000, John chapter 6. You know, nothing excites people like a free feed. (laughs) And uh, Jesus had just, in John's gospel, just fed out, just fed all those people and then they turn up again. And Jesus says, uh, You're not here because you're interested in me and my words and eternal life. You're interested because you had a free feed. And Jesus said, Don't work for food that spoils. Just don't focus on earthly life. And a very sad verse is John uh, chapter 6, verse 66 666, if you want to remember it. Many disciples, says John 6, 66, many disciples decided not to follow him. They weren't just tire kickers, they were disciples, it says. They knew that it was decision time. They had to choose to focus on earthly life or eternal life. They had to choose. And eternal life is more than just after life. Eternal life starts now. Eternal life starts now and it carries on. That's eternal life. Earthly life is just now, afterlife is there, but eternal life starts now and carries on. It's not pie in the sky when you die, it's steak on the plate while we wait. Mm. My I have a friend um Kimiora. He was a, a patched up member of the Mongol by the age he was sixteen. I uh, came to the Lord a couple of years later, and he said, I, you know, I had a stink teenage life. And I never used to think about tomorrow. But when I came to the Lord, I, I got really impatient for the sun to come up. <laughs> I couldn't wait for the new day to begin. And um, I don't know about you, I still remember you know, making a decision for Jesus. Came from a great Christian family, but there was a time I needed to make a decision. I was 18 and I, know, I did. And it was like for for days and days and weeks and after afterwards, it was like every day was blue. It felt like I'd come alive. Great feeling, coming alive. Eternal life starts now. So choose today who you will serve. Joshua said that as um, uh, Chrissy referred to. Choose in Christ. Are you going to be in Christ or in with everyone? Choose who you're going to listen to. Choose, are you going to focus on earthly life or eternal life? And as I was thinking, praying about this, uh, I believe the Lord said to me, and it's not only about choosing, it's about the fact that we are chosen, that we have been chosen. Isn't that an amazing thing that we have been chosen by God? We've been chosen. So we're going to have a a time of quiet now, and I want you just to respond uh, by yourself. And during that time, maybe the worship team can come back up, and then uh, people want to, to be prayed for. We'd love to pray for you. So let's have a time of quiet just while we all respond. Okay, let's uh, stand up. Some of us feel they might want to respond further than that, might want to come up and people pray for them. Um, People love to pray for you. And uh, you want to be prayed for about what was spoken today or anything else, what's going on in life, Uh, people love to pray for you. Just come up.